And welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, your favorite beat writer for The Athletic. He takes his job so seriously, even Tarek Skubal's like, come on, bro. Chill out. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? I'm a little confused. Like, I'm a little dizzy. Like, I hope Austin Meadows' vertigo isn't contagious. I think I'm just trying to figure out. I think we just witnessed the Detroit Tigers win three consecutive baseball games. I, I hear they call this a winning streak. I hear if you play a team three times and you win all three, it's called a series sweep. Uh, so still trying to process what I just witnessed. Uncharted waters there. And I was actually thinking, um, so they played eight games this week and Technically, they went four and four, right? They and did. It, not it even means, technically, they yeah, went yeah, four they and went, four. <laughs> they went four and four, and y- normally that would be somewhat of a positive occurrence or you know whatever. But this whole week was so downtrodden that I almost like all oh, my preparation was like, all the things that have gone wrong, and you know we'll get to those. But it's like it's kind of hard not to feel good you know you see the celebration after uh after a series sweep of the guys on the field or whatever you know the high fives or whatever it's it's, it's we gotta have good vibes now series a, a series sweep good vibes it's good a vibes. weird it's a weird week to summarize because the first four games of the week were the f- whole five games against the a's were terrible i mean the the 9-0 loss felt someone post game you know, we were waiting on AJ for his press conference and someone was like, this has a rock bottom feel to it. And it really did. And I think that might have been the AJ presser that lasted like a minute and 10 seconds because there was there was there was nothing to ask and there was nothing for him to say. And it was like, Ugh. and yeah, most of the time four and four. OK, we can feel fine about that. Uh, you wish that the Tigers could just revert back to the end of March or just start over, act like the last month didn't count and start again. They've dug themselves in such a terrible hole that this three game sweep, you, you want to get excited about it. And there's still 11 games below 500 and it's still May. That's all kind of crazy, right? You're coming off a series sweep. You're 11 games below 500 and it's May. It's pretty hard to like achieve all three of those things. I mean, you're right, and, you know, several times on this pod, it'd be like, man, the schedule's unforgiving, the schedule's unforgiving, and the, the second part of that statement was, when's Baltimore coming? And, <laughs> and and no disrespect to those guys, but, you know, you have a 4-2 win, you have a 3-0 win, and then a nice way to wrap it up with a 5-1 win on Saturday, the bats get going a little bit from some key players, uh, but the... Uh, we're fresh off Sunday's game. I think the thing that we have to start out with is Tarek Skubal. Uh He, you know, if I can toot my own horn a little bit, you know, I said, you know, he's going to be an all-star. He's going to he's gonna get the dub in the all-star game. I mean, that one's be far-fetched. But right now, I feel like I'm looking at an all-star pitcher. He came into the, uh, came into the game with the 11th ERA. 11th ranked ERA, and after going six innings, allowing three hits and zero earned runs, striking out 11, uh, the ERA did not go up. I'm no mathematician there, but the ERA did not go up, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong here, if you know differently, uh, eight of 11 strikeouts were swinging strikeouts. So 
uh, as impressive as impressive a performance I think we've seen this year, and he's kind of racked up several in a row now. Uh, you got Eduardo with the money. I know he's hurt, and we'll you know get to him in a second. You got Casey Mize with the number one overall pick prestige. I'm looking at an ace in my opinion here, Cody. That's that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like to me in Tarek Skubal. Take me off the pedestal. Tell me I'm wrong. Please. Ooh, Kill my you, vibes. You, you picked the wrong guy. Uh, shout out Kendrick Lamar, new album this week. Uh, but you picked the wrong guy. It's hard for me to take down Tarek Skubal. I think he's long been kind of my personal favorite in terms of his overall package of these young pitchers. And right now, I agree. He is your all-star. I think this should be a weekly feature. Like, who's your all-star? Because that was kind of one of my criticisms of just the roster. Like, do you have a bona fide all-star? I think that has shifted from Michael Fulmer to Tarek Skubal. I think he's the best pitcher on this staff right now. And he, like, it's not a mirage. He has the stuff to do it. He has high-end stuff. He has a power fastball. He is a wipeout slider. His changeup has become a legit third pitch. And he's got a curveball he can mix in every now and then. I think the biggest difference with Skubal has been strike throwing. On Skubal's bad days where he's not pitch efficient, sometimes this fear can creep in where it's like, oh, is he, you know, just is he ever going to be in the zone consistently enough to be a starter? Is he going to have to one day move to the pin and become like a like a Josh Hader, which he could still thrive at? And then you see what he's done these last three starts where he is just firing darts. And it's like if he continues to do this, not only will he remain a starter throughout his career, he could be a top-end starter. Um, easier said than done to harness your command every time out, but we were talking. I don't remember if, if you said this on air or off air, but you're like, I'm tired of hearing that everything's a chase pitch. You know, Well, Scoobal slider, which tends to be like a strikeout, wipeout, chase pitch. I, dude was throwing it in the strike zone today, and guys still couldn't hit it. Like He was spotting it. He could get him to reach. Uh, he, he was also just firing it in the zone, fooling people, throwing more backdoor sliders, stealing strikes with it. Had the looks of a guy who's going to be very, very difficult for any lineup to hit. Probably helped out. He was facing the Baltimore Orioles. Let's not keep let's keep that in mind. And but he did, you know, shut down Cedric Mullins, even though that's a left-on-left matchup. He was the best hitter. Um, a lot to like for Scooble, really in four of his past five starts. He's got a 2.50 ERA. Pretty much all the metrics check out. I think uh, it's it's plenty fine to be hype about Tarek Scooble. Yeah, and when you're watching this team, you're a fan of this team, you're kind of grasping for something like that to hold on to. And even, honestly, probably if you're also in in the locker room, right? Because you've had injury after injury after injury, especially to the pitching staff. And, yeah, we'll get to (laughs) the additions that happened uh, this week. But there's a guy that we can look to and say, all right, with him on the mound, his stuff is good. We got a really good shot, and we're in for a show. Uh, I think you got to give some flowers to Tucker Barnhart. I think he's been... I think he's figured out Scooble. That was something, you know, because, you know, try to go back to things that we had said previously and, you know, not correct the record, but give, like, updates. I want to forget about it. Like, it didn't seem like he had mastered Scooble. 
I think Tucker, I think Tucker got off to a weird kind of underwhelming start to his Tigers career, whereas like this guy is a two-time gold glove winner. Like, I don't really see it as the veteran catcher. Obviously, I didn't see it in the pitch sequencing with, I think, Scoobles first start of the year. I think he's now done a great job blocking balls, calling games. Um, I know his framing numbers aren't great, but I've seen him, you know, have some nice pitch frames. Uh, Tigers aren't controlling the running game well at all, but that's a whole other story. And Tucker Barnard's hitting, I think, like 278, 279. Uh, I think Tucker Barnard's had a very nice past week all the way around. I've, I've started. He's looking more like the guy they were supposed yeah, to get. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Um, with Scooble, I was playing around with a couple, uh, couple nicknames, and... I'm not saying these are good, but I do think they're good starting points. A little school nickname thing. Uh, that's one of the things we like to do to have fun on this podcast to see if we can, you know, bring some nicknames to the to the forefront. So, inspired by the fact that, as you put on Twitter, you're at Cody Statement. Hey, I'm at Kieran underscore Steckley. Pitching Ninja, the Twitter account, and Scooble, wonderful bromance, because he's got the stuff that that Twitter account is made for, essentially. And we can't steal Pitching Ninja, obviously, it's a Twitter account. And I wouldn't want to do that anyway, because I think that's cultural appropriation, and we don't do that here on the podcast. So, what what is something that's mystical like a ninja that would kind of fit Tarek a little bit more i was like maybe wizard so yeah please laugh because i'm not saying these are good but i'm saying this is weird that's lame this is not a renaissance I mean, fair you know whiff wizard the whiff wizard the wizard of whiff these these are just starting points here um what about the whiff maker how's that Tarek? the whiff maker the whiff maker, the whiff maker. maker. Um, That's interesting. And yeah, keep workshop. And, and here is another one that you know maybe has some potential. Maybe it doesn't. But you know you got to put things out there and see see if it catches on. What about um something like we got Sam Scooble on the mound. Sam acronym swing and miss. Sam Scooble on the mound today. You know, or Scooble Sam, something like that little acronym, Tarek Sam Scooble. You know, just with the acronym, Swing and Miss. Oh, I actually kind of like that one. That's like a nickname someone would get in high school or college, and then everyone would just start calling him Sam. And kind of like the Tyler Alexander being Todd, everyone would just think his name is actually yeah. Sam, you know. that and It's kind of organic. I feel like that's a harder one to like throw on someone when they're already in the big leagues. But I like yeah, that one. Just, it's a little more just natural. Just possibilities, you know. But we're getting to the point now where, again, combination of results and stuff, you know, I think it's worthwhile to start thinking about it. And by the way, you got any you got any suggestions? At Cody David Hagan, at Kieran underscore Steckley, at Turn Corner Pod. We'll hear them. We'll, we'll decipher them. I think Scooble's performance, in a way it's a huge positive. In a way it almost highlights something else I was thinking of. Uh, during the first half of this week of when it was just very miserable and you're you're coming up with kind of criticisms for the organization. In a way, it's probably not fair because Casey Mize and Matt Manning are hurt. But you're we're deeper into this thing now. None of these guys are rookies. 
this is the start of Scooble and Mize's third year in the big leagues. It's like these guys that you were building your organization around, you said we're going to build around starting pitching, and now they all have big league experience. You've signed a couple big free agents. You are here, and what do you have? What do you have in these pitchers? Well, Scooble's showing what you need to see, a guy who has a solid big league season under his belt and is showing big signs of growth. In Matt Manning, though, you've got a guy who's hurt now and hasn't been overly impressive, at least not consistently. In Casey Mize, you have a guy who, he's got a 3-7-1 ERA on, to quote A.J. Hinch, the back of his baseball card. Uh, but we wanted to see him take another step, and he didn't do it earlier this year. And now he's hurt with this injury that continues to seem pretty ominous. He's not coming back anytime real soon. And so it's like, okay, if you're if you're one for three on those guys, that's not good. It's not fair to declare yet that you're one for three because they're still young, whatever. Matt Manning can still get better, but it's like right now there's only one of them that I feel like you can even be very positive about. I don't know that that's it's certainly not well, ideal. And the one that you're feeling positive about is the only one of that group that wasn't a first-round pick. Well, there's that. Alex Fajardo is in the big leagues, doing well. I think the expectations for him are a lot lower. You know, I think he's going to be a big league pitcher. I don't think anyone expects him to be a star. So, yeah, you're right. Your best pitcher is a ninth-round pick, which in a way is good. Great that you found someone later in the draft. These first-round picks you staked this entire rebuild on. Look, plenty of time, but it's like, I don't know. I think you feel better about Spencer Torkelson. I don't know about Torkelson. But long-term, I think you can feel good about Torkelson and Riley Green than you do about these pitchers that, that were kind of the initial, the genesis of this rebuild was built Yeah, around. and then it'd take us forever to go back about, like, you know, whether that's really the best way to rebuild through through arms. And, and, and I'll just set the record straight. That's one of the things that among your philosophies, correct me if I'm wrong here, among your core philosophies that you just in an ideal situation wouldn't do that. Um, but we don't. I wouldn't. And this current situation has shown it even more because Torkelson's in the bigs. And even though he might have to go back down soon, Riley Green's going to be in the bigs. Like your hitters have got to the bigs quickly. And I just think you can feel more confident about their games than, than you can your pitchers because pitching is so volatile. Um, there's a whole offseason pod about that if you want to go back and find it, Kieran. We can, uh, we yeah, can move yeah. on to and some Jackson other Jackson Sorry, I didn't mean to bring it up. I didn't, I'm didn't. i sorry. I didn't mean to bring it up. Whoa, I'm sorry. Ouch. I didn't mean to bring it up. Um, but <laughs> for those that may have missed it, uh, Casey Mize going back to Lakeland to figure it out. Like, what are we... What like what are we even calling it to rest like to get some vitamin D in Florida like what what is I, I don't know necessarily how to call it anything other than a setback when you go pitching and then you're not pitching anymore he's still having discomfort without access to me, you know obviously the medicals it's I don't want to speculate too much it's not it's it's not great it's not great um, but Matt Manning has continued to be built up and pitch uh in toledo so i guess that's something yeah i don't know like uh, like i'm kind of grasping at straws here is there any more kind of context with the with the with those guys that we yeah, can add I, just update I, the I, listeners i can't pretend a whole to know a whole lot more i mean again you know aj comes out there it's not a setback he's not being shut down but he's 
regressing in his rehab timeline and he's not going to be pitching. Okay, it sounds like a setback and a uh, at least temporary shutdown to me. AJ mentioned having to treat symptoms, so that makes me think there's still inflammation or pain or something just generally wrong in that elbow. Uh, everyone likes to assume the worst, assume this means he needs Tommy John. I don't know. I know a tenet of baseball writing is overwrite injuries, uh, underwrite rookie middle relief pitchers. Sorry, Will Vest, <laughs> love you. Uh, but it's like hard to feel good about whatever is going on with Casey Mize right now. Um, best case scenario, he takes some time and we just don't see him for a while. But this, this happened with Spencer Turnbull last year. This happened with Matthew Boyd. It's like, oh, we'll get him back. We'll get him back. Well, it's going to take a little longer. It's going to take a little longer again. Oh, they need surgery. Feels like where this is headed, but without seeing an MRI or, you know, seeing Casey Mize's elbow, that's probably not fair to, like, fully speculate. I think teams like to put off, you know, surgery is always the last resort, the last case scenario. You, you want to try to find a way around that. If the MRI supposedly shows no structural damage, that's what we've heard on Mize, but we've heard that. Uh, on other guys before and it's turned out to be wrong so i don't know what's going on there but i don't get a great feeling about it matt manning uh sounds like he's going to be back in the big leagues pretty soon maybe by the end of this upcoming road trip i think he's going to do one more rehab outing in toledo they want to build his pitch count back up he's done fine against the toledo hitters uh, i watched some video still have not been very impressed with his secondary pitches though i think that's a little bit of a problem but at least he does seem to be healthy. Seems like he should be back fairly quickly. Yeah, you know, it's it's not the most reassuring thing on the planet. Which, look, I get surgery being the last resort. Especially surgery of this magnitude. But, golly, like, every time, everything that passes, then you're like, if, if that's the road you're going on, then you're... Yeah, you're, you're just wasting, wasting, wasting time. time. And again, not an expert, yeah. but like that's the ending that would frustrate me more than anything else. Is that like if he has to get, you know, Tommy John or whatever in six weeks, and then I'm like, all right, well then we just wasted two and a half months, you know, and maybe waste is unfair, like you know, but that's what it would end up being, right? You know, at the end of the day. That would mean you might be losing them for all of 2023 as opposed to getting them back the second half of 2023. Um, so if you're the Tigers, you just got to be hoping that this ain't actually the case and that with a little more rest and whatever they have him doing, he's going to be fine. That's what you got to hope. But I don't like the feel of it. don't like the sound of it. Well, what's your hope and your feeling of uh, Spencer Torkelson, who you kind of you know spoke there? I, yeah. you wrote you wrote about it this um, week it's i don't know let me say my spiel and as usual just tell me how wrong i am as of right now i'm not really interested in sending him down to toledo uh number one hmm. your first base options are quite limited and as you wrote and to quote uh former oklahoma state offensive coordinator mike yursich everything affects everything uh, so you send him down then you're doing some combination of like harold castro and uh, and, and Jonathan Scope, and then, you know, he takes Scope away from second, then you're throwing Will, Willie Castro into some infield spots when you're more or less trying to convert him into being an outfielder, but, oh, wait, there's outfield injuries! So, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm just not, I'm just not really interested in that right now, and also, I would probably wager 
obviously I don't know Spencer at all, just what I read and what I see. Like, I would probably wager there's probably more of a confidence diminishing to get sent down to Toledo in May than it would be, like, what would be considered, like, a reset, if that makes sense. Uh, Not to say that it couldn't be beneficial, but I just, I don't know. Learn by doing, right? So I would rather him go through struggles uh, in the major league, especially when you need him on the roster. His position is not a luxury uh, as this team is currently constructed and I would I, w- I just don't know if it like the the good outweighs the drawback to send him down to Toledo right now because of those things I just mentioned it's like what you do send him down what are you gonna do a week two weeks like what you know what 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 do you want to see from him in Toledo that you couldn't just like see him do it in Detroit that you would bring him back up. It's not an Akil Badu situation where there was all these major league at bats as evidence. I don't know. That's just my thing. As of now, I'm I want him to to learn on the fly, learn by doing. Yeah, my God is like, man, you gotta sit him down. Like this is getting bad. It just keeps getting drawn out. He's like six for fifty two. All those six hits are singles. He's got it striking out a lot still. And before I go into this, I, I got to say I was wrong. Like when he hit that homer in Kansas City, he had some good at-bats. I was like, oh, he's here. Like Torque's about to take off. He's about to play really well. Uh, I thought, I think this offseason when we talked about putting Torkelson or Green on the roster, I was like, who do you got that's better? You really think Torque is going to produce more than insert X replacement player? Well, yeah, Torkelson's hitting like 150. Someone could probably do better than that, you know, at least in the short term. So I was wrong. He's been kind of lost my gut is like these this isn't good for your team even if you don't know that you have someone better dude is not hitting the ball and it can't be good for his confidence but then you look a little deeper into it it's like the defense thing i think there's some truth to that and here's another sidebar jonathan scope one of in like the top one percent of defenders in baseball based on outs above average last year why did this guy play first base for an entire season? How dumb was that? Terrific defensive yeah. second baseman. Um, so, again, I don't want to be moving scope to first. I think maybe you could call up Cody Clemens and have him play a lot of first base for you and maybe tell Javi Baez to set his feet before he throws the ball. And, and you know, I think that would help a lot. But uh, then it's like, what is the source of Torkelson's problems? Kind of the answer I've, I've been getting from people this week is, And he's got this swing that is so simple, so smooth. I've always loved it. Scouts loved it. It's like very flawless because it's so minimalist. And then you see it against big league pitching and he almost looks unathletic. He almost looks stilted. He hits off a very stiff front leg that I don't think allows him to really unleash his power. And clearly that swing works in the minors. He killed double A. His average was a little lower in AAA, but he hit for power and he got on base in AAA last year. I think the fear is if you send him to AAA, he can get by with what he's doing and maybe that doesn't actually help him accomplish the fine-tuning to his swing he needs at the major league level. That's kind of the answer that I've got from some people around the Tigers and I think that's part of why he's staying up as well 
they want him to make this adjustment to hit in the big leagues because they know he can hit in AAA. I still think that's a, a kind of a double-edged sword because at what point are you hurting the team and just his overall confidence by keeping him up? That's a hard thing to say. I think you do have to measure his temperament. I mean, I'm sure he's pretty frustrated right now. Um, you like to think he's going to get it going, but again, this is this is a pretty prolonged slump. So I think you got to see something soon. I think here in the next week, going to see some left-handed pitching, maybe have some chances to do something. I think if by the end of this road trip he is still struggling to this extent, like you just have to pull the plug for a couple weeks and see what happens. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not trying to like debate your arguments per se. I just kind of keep coming back to, like, where is he getting hurt right now? He's getting hurt on freaking. 92 he's 93 not, mile an hour fastballs. fastballs yeah and yeah. like he starts doing it in triple a we're gonna think that that solution is solved like i don't know like that's it, that's a good point yeah it's not like the pitches he's struggling on it it's gonna see quote, that quote, in triple a you know league velocity yeah. or anything like yeah. that so, and yeah. then and then also like you know i guess you could argue timing like he seems behind on those been off. Uh, on those been 92, 93 mile an hour yeah. fastballs, which I, you know, I would almost say like if he did go down and then he starts hitting ninety three mile an hour fastballs, then it's like was that just coincidence or was he just not intimidated by a triple a triple A pitcher? Like like I don't know. That's just kind of weird. And then also like spotting the zone, which seems like something that is probably more reminiscent of a younger player not necessarily a young major leaguer like uh, spotting the zone the the zone's gonna be different wherever you are in the major leagues or in triple a so like to me i just all solutions like to me there's just no solution that can exclusively be found in AAA unless he just is like really in his head and the reset is the only thing. But if it's like a baseball thing, like a skilled thing, like a timing thing, I want him around Major League Coaching. I want him around AJ. I want him around the guys. And in regards to like hurrying the team, not saying you're wrong there. 11 games under 500. Like what? Like, 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 like there's a lot more other problems there that again i'd, I'd like to kind of see a play out but like, you can't have side. you can't have a first baseman hitting 150 all season you're right but i think the point of my article was like there is not a perfect solution yeah. that's what happens when you have a number one overall pick who comes up and he and not only does he struggle right away he struggles for a mo- more prolonged period of time and he just don't really have anyone to replace him and then it's like well, okay what do you do and the team's losing and I think that hints at a greater problem. There's, I got the sense, especially the first half of this week, there's just something psychologically off with this ball club right now. And I can't figure it out, but how else do you explain Robbie Grossman? I mean, so consistent last year struggling. Jamer Candelario picking it up some, but you know now he can't field the ball at third base. Like This team has just felt psychologically broken and you can you can feel it like in the clubhouse in the you know in the dugout before games maybe the sweep of baltimore will help things but uh it's it's weird and i don't know what the source of it is or when exactly it started 
Um, but I think that applies to Torkelson too. Like, why can't he just snap out of this funk? I think it goes beyond, well, he's, uh, you know, his swing's a little stilted. Like, why can this polished number one overall pick not hit a 92-mile-an-hour fastball? I think that's mental way more than it is physical. You're right. And as optimistic as we we all were about Spencer, we all also knew that this was a possibility if you look at other sure. position players like uh you know quote unquote like you know young hitters uh that have come up and you know we would all agree that Bobby Witt Jr.'s overall better prospect was he hitting 210 you know yeah. like uh, this is all kind of part of it 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 just the, the only what was that Gatorade commercial the only way is through I don't know if that is through Toledo or through saying in the bigs but basically the only way is through um all right, so speaking of Clubhouse Vibes, so you wrote about Javier Baez this week and the Javier Baez experience and everything that comes with it. And if you haven't read it, it you know captures everything. Subscribe to The Athletic, get all of Cody's written work and the entire uh, network of The Athletic. So I read that, and then obviously I'm watching the games, listening you know, to, to Dan Dickerson on the radio. And that story to me wasn't about Javier Baez. It was about the team. You're talking about the vibes, right? So Baez is your, obviously he's not your highest paid player, but in terms of like most high profile guy in his prime, it's Javier Baez, right? And... I'm looking at who is the emotional leader of this team? Who is a guy who has the stones and the pelts on the wall to, I don't know, break a bat in the locker room and be like, yo, what the F? What What is this? What is this? Demand accountability for himself and then for others and then people would automatically respect it. Uh... I kept thinking, I was like, okay, well, he signed, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez to, you know, big money, but is that his personality? I'm not sure. Uh, you know, Javier Baez has, you know, you know, this, this magic to him at times, but he's also personality wise, he's more complex than that. You know, that, that can kind of hurt a little bit. You know, Miggy is Miggy, but he's also at the tail end. You know, Meadows is your most productive player right now. He doesn't strike me as as that kind of guy. Uh, Robbie Grossman, neither. Um, you know, I'm going down the line. Jamer seems a little more on the quiet side. You know, if, if these impressions are wrong, tell me. But it just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this. I'm like, like who who is the guy to get in somebody's face that you that that you can do it? Is that was. Was that overlooked by us? Does it exist on this team? Uh, could that be like a source of frustration for someone like AJ Hinch, where like there's only so much a manager can do? Like you know, sometimes a player's kind of gotta you know wear that hat. Uh, do we underrate it in baseball in general? Like I'm trying to like think like is you know with over with 162 games, like you know the baseball mindset is kind of like all right, hey, we gotta go tomorrow. Like, no, you know, not too high, not too low, whatever, but 
that's I read the bias story and I was like, so you're prize free agent, and then you have your other prize free agent, and your catcher can be your leader, but he's also, you know, he's got so much going on. I don't know if you want him to be your galvanizing force because he's got to, you know, he's got to be a coach and a player, right? So, uh, I don't know. I'm looking for that emotional, fiery leader, and I'm not coming up with great candidates and unfortunately it feels like this team is made up of a bunch of guys who um are high profile but don't or are incapable of carrying that bucket if that makes sense i think i think we've learned something about the tigers throughout this stretch and i think it's fair to say like i've been uh, I think it's a little disappointing how this team's new signings have taken on that role. I think Eduardo and, and Javi Baez, too. And I think the Tigers knew very much what they were getting in both of those guys. And neither one of them have just the persona of this polished, outspoken leader or whatever. Um, but at the same time, it's like, okay, you're about to be the veteran in this club. We're giving you big money. I think... Javi in spring training portrayed it like the his energy was definitely felt you know things were super positive in spring training Eduardo was kind of very aloof the whole time but it was like all right here we go um and then things got bad and I have not been impressed by how this team has handled things going poorly Average listener, average fan might not care about whether dudes are talking to the media after like a loss, but that's generally kind of a sign of accountability. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have some guys, Gregory Soto, often Baez, you know, Miggy, of course, is Miggy, who aren't great at that. Uh, I think kind of the closest thing you have to this model leader, whatever, is Robbie Grossman. And here, Robbie Grossman has been complaining about the ball and about Comerica Park. And I think Robbie's like the utmost professional. And it's like, dude, you're striking out more than you ever have in your career you're not hitting the ball hard i don't think you can really be blaming the ball or the ballpark because you're not you're not hitting it out there anyway man i'm like i was just surprised to hear that from someone like robbie um and i think that's kind of extended across the clubhouse i get guys are frustrated but you felt it you've had some guys being dodgy with the media again you have bias it's just like he's like He's never there. There's one day this week. Maybe he was doing something inside. I don't know. But all 12 position players are on the field. And then Javi Baez is nowhere to be seen. I I didn't want to make too big of a deal about this. So I didn't put it in print. And and I don't want people to latch on to it. But, you know, the Tigers did a luncheon at the Detroit Economic Club. And 25 players were there. And one was not. And that one was Javier Baez. And little things like that. Tigers knew what they were getting. That's that's who Javi is. I think the bigger story I wrote on him before the season explains some of why he's that way, why that's part of the experience. But at the same time, I think you would hope that Javi maybe, if there's a guy who should fill that role, it's Javi Baez because he's got the money, he's got the pedigree, he can be a fiery dude on the field. Uh, this team needs someone to step in that role, and I think Baez is your most obvious candidate. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I look at this as something in a way that other people don't. I don't know. Sometimes I look at things different. But to me, money a lot of times equals responsibility. And like in a certain, 
you get paid a certain way, you have this sort of status, there's some added responsibilities that go into that. Some people shy away from it, some people embrace it. Uh, that's just my opinion, generally speaking. Um, but the, the, the but the, the the big point is that there is, you know, not breaking news given their record, but there is something lacking there. And the, the Grossman stuff is probably... You know, I lump that in with the bias stuff too, where it's like, you know, is this really where the head needs to be at? You know, even though, and here's the thing, it can be true. I can agree with you, like the the dead or ball hurts people like Robbie Grossman. I just don't think that should be taking up that much mental space. You know, definitely not when you're not. Making contact to mm-hmm. begin with. Yep, absolutely. So, just like a lot of other stuff with this team, with this season, you know, not a lot of, not a lot of solutions present. Not a lot of, you know, guys kind of tend to be who they are. Um, and I'm sure it's demoralizing to get another injury, to lose another guy, to... You know, like, what What do you think everybody's reaction was when Austin Meadows has, you know, they didn't call it vertigo, but we'll just say vertigo-esque uh, symptoms. Like, God, can anything else <laughs> yeah. happen? You know, like, that's, it, it, it's just crazy. And, and, and speaking of crazy, is there a Willie Castro conversation to be had? I think there is. And I don't, oh, and I don't even, I'm not, go. I don't even know what the conversation is. I'm just saying that it kind of has to be had. It's weird. So I believe my numbers are correct. Uh, this month, halfway through the month, this month, he's 13 of 34. I believe I have that right, which is a like 382. I'm a mathematician. I believe that's correct. I uh, let me phrase it like this. Which one is more on the extreme of the spectrum, of the luck spectrum? Which I know doesn't really exist, but let's have some fun. Of the luck spectrum. Is Willie Castro more lucky, or are the Tigers more unlucky with the amount of injuries they've had? That's the question I pose to you. Is Willie Castro more lucky because he had that like end of bat little single a day against the shift, which more <laughs> more power to him? Or are all these injuries, vertigos and arm injuries and getting hit, breaking middle fingers and, you know, re-aggravating lower muscle, lower body muscle injuries, is that more unlucky or is Willie Castro more lucky from what we've seen since uh, the since the calendar turned to May? That's my question. Terrific question. Not an easy <laughs> one to answer. Uh the Tigers have been very unlucky starting from the day Riley Green fractured his foot and it just hasn't stopped. But man, I'm going Willie Castro. His chase rate is 53.8%. <laughs> if someone throws him two balls, he is going to swing at one of them. And he's hitting three, you know, whatever. His BABIP, again, like it was in 2020, is kind of off the charts, high. He's not hit, his average exit velocity is 81.2. It's in like the bottom 1 or 2 percentile in the league. He's not doing anything that indicates he should be hitting the way he is. Now I think if you're the Tigers, especially in this situation where you have nothing, you have nothing going for you. 
hey, get excited over Willie Castro. You got to ride this hot hand. If I'm AJ, I'm trotting him out there in left field as much as I can because he's the only guy doing anything right now. But I'm just saying I think it is very much a mirage that will last, I don't know, a couple weeks, maybe longer if he continues to be lucky. But there's no data. There's there's nothing supporting that he will continue to perform like this at the plate. And in the outfield, man, AJ's been like, oh, he has good outfield actions and instincts. It's like maybe he does but he's still not a good outfielder and now you're playing him in center and it's just kind of like avert your eyes um you got to put him out there right now because he's, he's in the ball and now you have meadows and reyes both on, you entered the day with five outfielders <laughs> i was like oh i wonder how aj's gonna get all these guys at bats and now you're down to three that goes to show you how unlucky you are so i don't know if you're gonna take the other side of this debate kieran what are, what are you thinking here i mean I'm going to side with the unlucky part just because it's a longer track record and it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, again, like you, you recapped it all, but like there's, there's no way in hell I was like, let's just put it like this. If you had a bingo card of injuries, like on the bottom, like I don't know what's the worst like spot to be on bingo card. I don't know. I don't play. I'm not an eighty year old person. But whatever the worst spot is, that's statistically speaking, is not a part of any bingo. Probably like second, like the corners. That's not like actual the corner, just right off it. I don't know. Whatever. Bingo It'd analytics. Be, Someone get on so, it. Yes, it would be a player going to DL with vertigo, like symptoms. Vertigo. Victor Reyes be... strains his left quad, comes back immediately, strains his right quad insane like insane on a play that would have been a triple like, yeah like because I, I was like oh man nice little swing here i am kind of falling in like with victor reyes again and then as uh, dan dickerson said don't really like the way he went to second <laughs> and it's like golly what could you know because you would have thought it would be like he had just come back or something that was the first time that he kind of had the adrenaline to like go out and like run and like push his body no that wasn't even the case it's just it's just like horribly unlucky and i'm gonna say this oh lord help me i'm gonna say this and i hope it doesn't come back to bite me but history tells tells us that it probably will you had all these injuries especially the outfielders and one of the last men standing, as currently presented, it's 6.16 p.m. Central Standard Time, May 15th. Derek Hill is still standing. I mean... Hey, of course he is, because he can do some things. Maybe on a winning team, a team that's winning games, he would be off this roster. But that's not the reality. Hill... Well, I mean, not hurt he, yet. That's he, what I'm he, Oh, he's not, oh, he's not hurt. Oh, he's not... That's you've that, probably now jinxed him. Yes, yes you have. Yes. He's so let me doomed take, to get injured. Okay, you, you've you've done it a couple times, so I kind of wanted to bring some fire my way. That's more what I was talking about. Is that like you know, there's, huh, I mean, there's just a litany of ways that you could see this going, and, and it looked like looked like maybe you'd be down, Jonathan Scope. You're talking about sending Torrelson down, and then he gets hit in the hand with a pitch. Oh I, my god! Yeah, who who? Like I, that's one of those things. Like the next day, maybe it could be, you know, like so. I don't want to speculate and say that oh he's fine. Who knows? But you know, talk about. <laughs> then Cody Clemens be up for sure. Let's just phrase it like that. Um, which you know, 
By the way, and Ryan Kreidler's out in AAA. <laughs> yes, Ryan Kreidler. It's it's just one thing after another after another, and I I I I always try to like not talk about injuries or like think of them as excuses or whatever. But there's a certain point where it's just like, like what what can be done? Like it, it's like. I'm not saying this is what should happen, but it's like fire the athletic trainer because it's just everybody's hurt. I don't actually say. I Kieran don't actually has joined that. the Twitter mob. Someone's got to be fired. I don't actually think. Are we that, going fire Avila? Like, hashtag fire Hinge. I saw a hashtag DFA Torque. Like, oh my god! Not option DFAM. Like there's <laughs> there's some great stuff out there on the internet. There, yeah. I mean, during that athletic series. Uh, because I thought that was going to be a, like a talking point. So I like, talk about like firing a GM like in May of a season or whatever. And, and you know, we're all kind of uh, prisoners in the moment a little bit. We're recording this shortly after uh, a sweep. So like the vibe's a little bit better than what it would have been had we done this on, you know, Thursday. Uh, but that was, that was going to be one of the things we were talking about. Well, so no, I, I, I still want to bring this up a little bit. Okay. Because I was listening to, I think, 97-1 on the way home from one of the god-awful losses. And, you know, they're on there. And, and whoever the host was is like, Tigers are bad and it's all on Avila. And, look, I think this this awful start, if this season goes poorly, that's a very bad referendum on the Al Avila era. That is, I don't know, well, you know, this AJ Hinch thing is always kind of looming in the background, and it's like, would AJ come back to work for Al? And if AJ leaves, then that looks really, really bad on Al. I'm, I'm wondering if there's a little bit of a dead end coming up that road. But this start, for all the criticism of Al, this starts on the players, man. I don't think it's on AJ. I don't think it's on Al. Al went out and got you some free agents. Chris Illich gave you some money. AJ is one of the best managers in baseball. And these guys just haven't performed. Guys with track records from Scope and Candelario and Grossman haven't performed. Um, the injuries have not helped matters. Like, who's to, everyone wants to blame someone. And it's like, the players are the guys not performing. And to a certain extent, that's far beyond what Al Avila uh, can control or what A.J. Hinch can control or what Chris Illich can control. And Al certainly can't control the litany of injuries no, like no, that's can't. like yeah, that's 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 and again i'm not i'm not even taken up for al here because if this keeps up it's you might not have a choice the, the excuses are kind of running thin for al like even right. though he's done a good job the last two years there were still five years four years prior to that where what do you really have to show for it um but it's like yeah i don't know i, I just think that's that's my point. The players have not performed, man. They haven't, they haven't performed. It's on them. It's a bottom line business. Everybody gets affected by the bottom line. Yeah. Uh, you know, you think AJ likes all these losses going up against his, you know, career managerial record. You know, that's, you know. Can't like that. Can't can't like that. So, that's, uh, I don't know. And so, I, no, I, so, I, so on I, that topic, like, AJ's been, you know, things have been so overwhelmingly positive for AJ since he took the job or some people still were unsure of him until early last season. He very quickly won over this fan base in a huge, huge way. It's a lot of influence up and down this organization. And I think all that is rightfully so. I think he's the dude you want steering this ship, but he's last year. He kind of projected this unwavering confidence, even through the bad start, 
Maybe it's because there were no expectations. I don't know. I've definitely seen AJ a little more flustered and shaken um, than I feel like I ever did last year. Again, hey, rightfully so. Hard to be pretty positive when I, I'm not even a member of this team or in the Tigers' payroll, and there have been some losses, and I'm just like, it's hard to have cheery body language when you just watched a miserable baseball game and you're like, shit, am I going to have to cover this for four more months? But, um, you know, from some awkward roster construction to this and that, it's like, I don't know that it's, it's not AJ's fault, but I also don't think he's completely immune uh, from some criticism. I think he now faces a very different type of leadership test, which is uh, trying to salvage something out of this season. And it's different from last year because there are expectations, because there's not a set of reinforcements coming from the minor leagues or outside the organization. Um, I, I think if this season's going to turn around, like AJ will also have to go back to projecting that, that unwavering confidence, even when that's not easy to do. Yeah, well, in, in in regards to the AJ Hinch stuff, uh, one of the things that we talked about last year was his versatility as a manager, and I think there's another opportunity out there for him to show like another side of like the managerial spectrum. Uh, I did like. Him going out there with the when Baez got thrown out and you know he said nothing that you know you couldn't say in front of <laughs> from your mother which uh, I put this on Twitter so if you follow me I'm repeating myself but it's like you know in fairness whatever Baez was saying Cody can attest to this that's something I would say in front of my mother uh, <laughs> and and if you raise somebody like Javier Baez I'm sure the I'm I'm sure the mother has a sweet tongue let's just say it like that. Uh, but he, you know, he's he, he he's backing his guy a little bit. And even today with the Derrick Hill out of the baseline thing, um, I, I I these are small. This is small stuff. But I like how he was. I'm not gonna say he was aggressive, but he was pretty assertive with the ump there. And I I think I heard him or not heard him. I think I saw him mouth the words like one of the first things he said to the ump was uh, for f's sake. Like for F's sake, you know, like blah 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 goes into his point. Then I, you know, then I can't really, you know, read lips or whatever. Um, but you know, he, he went out, went went to bat for his guy, and I. This isn't like the actual suggestion box or whatever, but maybe it is. Like you know, I I, I think there's we talk about things that kind of galvanize people. Uh, that's something that he can do without getting thrown out and all that stuff like to, to kind of galvanize his team a little bit and it's not like he's incapable of it or he refuses to do it or anything but those are the kind of things i like seeing which you know i kind of thought it was wrong about the Derek kill thing but that doesn't really matter it doesn't matter you gotta have the guys back you know with the bias stuff like you gotta have your guys back they want to know that you have their back because he's gonna have to start talk about spectrum stuff he's gonna have to start i think probably being a little bit more firm and a little bit more like hey get it together like this is unacceptable like i i feel like we, we like some guys probably need to hear that from their manager maybe maybe i don't know if fear is the right way like they, they said like with jim leland there was always that like players loved him but there was always kind of like that fear factor i don't know if that's really how you can manage modern baseball players 
but there's got to be some version of that that's suited for the 2022 athlete that AJ can tap into, and I, I, mean, I have no doubt that he has that capability, but I think you, you go to bat for the guys, even when they're wrong, you're wrong, but you're also able to kind of, you know, make sure that, you know, that you that this is unacceptable like give them a little you know with the iron tongue i guess uh find that balance there i think that's kind of what he needs to strive for a little bit more than what i've seen and maybe he's doing that behind the scenes i don't know but like from what i can observe i think i'd like him to be a little bit more a little bit more hard on the guys if that makes sense while still having their back with their respect yeah it's it's easy to turn Things even more toxic when you blow up or whatever. So I don't know. Being a manager is a weird, intangible job. Yep. Sunday, AJ's birthday, he said, manager ears are like dog ears, <laughs> you know, and I believe it. It's high stress and it's like you have this huge influence, but you don't actually control what happens on the field. You know, there may have been a couple little in-game decisions, but I don't think his in-game decisions have been off at all. Like, if anything, like we talked about last week, just that magic touch hasn't been there but that's again just because his players aren't performing or executing even when he is putting them in positions to succeed um look i think if anyone in this organization you know let's aj go or think about leaving after this year or whatever that 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 would be a travesty uh, but I think these comments that keep popping up on, yeah, it's on Twitter, but the fans were like, oh, AJ looks disinterested. He looks checked out. What do you go back to Houston? I, th- I think a lot of that's BS or too Agreed. early to think about. But but if you're AJ, like, I think you got to silence those questions. I, I don't think AJ is the type of guy who ever checks out of anything ever. Like, I think he's oh. invested. I think yeah. he wants to win. Absolutely. I think he's driven. I think he's stubborn to a little bit of a fault. Um, but like, yeah, be a little harder on the guys, look upbeat, look invested. So that way that we're not even sitting here talking about this right now. Well, I think, and, 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 you know, things that like probably age managers that every team's different and you got, you know, let's just say 40 guys that you're going to be more or less in charge of, you know? And everybody's a little bit different. And then you have these, like, you know, like a relief pitcher is kind of a different guy than a starter and then a position player. And, you know, like, there's there's a lot of meshing going on. It's hard to find that balance. And I probably think this is one of those instances where he's probably still trying to figure out the, the best way to kind of push the buttons of these guys, which is very reasonable. Like, you know, we're all doom and gloom right now, but it's only... May 15th, like, there's still a lot of baseball to be played. I'm not saying the season's going to be salvaged or anything like that, but in terms of, like, the makeup of your organization, there's still a lot to be played out in that aspect. And that's also part of his job. And again, like, what what are you supposed to do when you got all these, like, the thing, everything's kind of crumbling around you. He's not that... He's not that different than that right. gif of like uh, the, yeah. the, the the cartoon dog and it's on fire and he's like you know having coffee like this is fine like that like <laughs> that's all he yeah, handed. That's again like I can't I can't really blame him because it's not not like I was walking around in a chipper mood and again I'm not even necessarily invested in like this team's win loss record other than it's a lot more easy and fun to cover a winning team. Um, not pot you know it was a rough rough set of days rough start to the season. 
your playoff odds are almost completely diminished. You got to chip away and hope you can, you know, maybe slowly chip your way back to 500 by the end of the year, best case scenario, and uh, reinstill that positive momentum and positive energy that was around this club for so much of last season. Uh, sweeping the Orioles is a good place to start, but now you got the Rays. That's going to have to come, uh, you know, that will come hard earned if you can win that series. And, it, you know, AJ's like in today's game thing. He says it increasingly often, but it's true. It starts with starts with tomorrow against the Rays. If you're going to get this thing, you're, you've dug yourself in so deep of a hole that it's just going to be chipping away and chipping away. And, and that's the only way you're going to even slightly turn this ship around. Well, there is some sauce in the fact that, you know, you did what you're supposed to do against Baltimore. Right. You know, like that... Is it worth a lot? I don't know, but it is worth something. Um, well, since we're talking about him, why don't you kind of go into uh, into your suggestion box for uh, Mr. Mr. A.J. Hinch? All right, well, a lot of pitching injuries, as we've, as we've discussed. Michael Pineda hit by a comebacker, and it just breaks his finger. Awful, terrible luck. Uh, but we've already seen the Tigers experiment. Alex Fiedo, Joey Wentz. Looks like Fieto is going to be sticking here a little longer. Good news is Matt Manning should be back. But I think if you continue to find yourself in these situations, I think A.J. Hinch needs to embrace the bullpen day a little more. I think case in point is what happened after Michael Pineda left that game. You have some length in a couple of your relievers, Willie Peralta being a great example. Your bullpen has the second-best bullpen ERA in all of baseball. Uh, I think that gives you a better chance to win than calling up Joey Wentz for a spot start and hoping he can throw strikes. Um, or, you know, you're getting to the point, are they going to have to consider bringing up Elvin Rodriguez at some point? Like, I would not be afraid to just go bullpen day, three innings of Willie Peralta, patch it together from there based on matchups. Uh, we saw that work for the Tigers a lot last year when Mize and Scooble were on kind of innings limits and we're going like three innings. Uh, I think AJ's been a little bit hesitant to burn his bullpen. You know, look, the way things are going for this team, if your bullpen gets taxed, it could could cost you two weeks' worth of games. But at the same time, if you're talking about winning today's game, I think a lot of times leaning on this bullpen uh, to give you some length is, is going to help that goal more. So if, if they get in another situation where they need, like, a spot start, I just think let's go bullpen day and make that baby work rather than bring up Joey Wentz or Elvin Rodriguez or, or whatever your option might be. I don't know. I, I agree. I think you've kind of reached the point where you can't just like not use that in your tool bag. Uh, this yeah. was April 15th. We wouldn't be talking about it, but it's May 15th. So uh, so I agree with that. Uh, speaking of bullpen, though, the the Soto thing, the Fulmer, you know, that was your suggestion box last week. Uh Seems like AJ's kind of putting down like any like concerns of Soto losing his job, you know, quote unquote. You know, he's still. Like, yeah, I think I, I I think that's good managing actually. As much as I'm like, you know, I got this question eight bases loaded. You know, game seven of the World Series, two outs. Who do you want on the mound? I don't know that I'm picking Gregory Soto. I think Gregory Soto is going to throw a wild pitch, or he could walk in a run, or he's going to strike the guy out. Like, I would still take <laughs> Talk about three true over him in that situation. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like, uh, But I think it's good the confidence he's projected. If you're going to stick by your guy, stick by your guy. You know, I, I definitely can't fault AJ for just being like, no, we're sticking with Soto. Um, and as I kind of wrote about, you know, 
he, he's just going to have outings like that sometimes. Doesn't mean he's not a really good pitcher. Uh, but Will Vest is now in this conversation, man. Will Vest coming out of yeah. nowhere um, and, and gets the big league save. That was really good. Um, but, yeah, seems like no no major changes coming to this bullpen just yet. So I kind of gave, like, a suggestion box, but I, I, w- I was going to do, like, a like a lightly, you know, like, not really that serious thing. But I was going to be like, lean into the Derrick Hill bunts, like, a little bit more. Just, like, lean in more. Oh, my gosh. Because uh, I, I don't know, if, uh, Derrick's not doing this, but... I think it's kind of awesome that he's bunting with a man on base. It's obviously trying to get a base hit, but he's getting credit for sacrifices. <laughs> so he's preserving the batting average. <laughs> like I, uh, I low key love that. So lean in, lean into the bunts a little bit more. That that would be my joking suggestion. Uh, you're killing me, you're <laughs> killing me. You and AJ are both killing me. AJ knows I hate the bunt, makes fun of me for it sometimes. Derek Hill's actually been swinging the bat a little. I'm fine with like a bunt for a base hit like once a week or something, but I think he's doing it too much. Let, let this guy swing the bat, man. Let him put the ball in a gap. Let him hit a triple. Let's yeah. tone down the bunts. Yeah. Well, he's gonna have more opportunities to do either one uh, here <laughs> yeah. going forward. Uh, anything else, Cody? You wanted to add before we got out of here? No, I think that I think that's all I got. All right. A lot better vibes in this podcast than uh, I was anticipating as the uh, weekend started. So uh, we'll see how much that translates to next week. As you said, tough series versus the Tampa Bay Rays. So you can follow Cody on Twitter at Cody Stavenhagen. I am at Kieran underscore Steckley. Our pod page is at Turn Corner Pod. If you feel so inclined, please give five-star review. Makes us feel a little better about ourselves. Uh, but more importantly, please subscribe to The Athletic so you can read all of Cody's work. Uh, put out a lot of great content this week. Uh, I don't know if it was a coincidence that things were so dire and you started putting out like some of the best content of the season. But, uh, you know, cor- it was because the team was at home. <laughs> Correlation about causation, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. And then, uh, obviously. I will be in Cleveland next weekend, everybody. I will be back on the road some so that's that's positive news uh, as well. yeah that is positive so hope you had a great time in cleveland and hope everybody had a great time listening to this podcast so for cody Stavenhagen, i'm kieran steckley everybody have a great week